You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Alikas from Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN 11 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC on ESPN 11 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a lightweight contest between Austin Hubbard, who is 11 and 4, and Max Roscoff, who is 5 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Some quick info before we get rolling here. The opening odds prices that I'm quoting are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, the opening odds article. And the updated lines that I'll be quoting at the current price are from Circa Sports. So getting right into the first fight, Hubbard opened minus 140 market price. The comeback on Roscoff at plus 120. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is minus 185 for Roscoff. The comeback on Hubbard at plus 160. So needless to say, everybody buying into the hype. Roscoff is a very popular fighter. A lot of... Um, prospectability, really. A lot of people are expecting uh, awesome stuff from this guy, and I can understand it. I mean, the guy has a tremendous grappling game. He has a great wrestling background, trained by Robert Drysdale here in Vegas right now, so he's only improving on the ground. He's got a little bit of power on the feet. He's going to have a two-inch reach advantage. And, you know, again, the grappling ability is where it's at with him more than anything else. My concern the the most with Roscoff is that he's a little bit untested. Hubbard's going to be by far the best fighter he's ever faced in his career. And Hubbard's been battle-tested, man. I mean, he's been in there with some really solid competition. He's only lost by submission one time, um, and, and he's ready. He's going to be game. I mean, this is not a short-notice fight for him in, as much as it is for Roscoff, we should say. I mean, of course, some of these fights are put together at the last minute, um, so I, I don't think a lot of these guys do get full training camps, especially with the COVID-19 situation or whatnot, that's always going to be a wild card. But what I'm trying to say is Hubbard should be a lot more game and a lot more prepared and a lot more experienced going into this fight. And I think if he can weather that early storm and maybe gets to round two and round three, it might get interesting here. So I think the line's a little bit high where it's at right now. But as far as a pure pick, I understand the hype behind Roscoff. I mean, this is the type of fight that, you know, he could possibly win. Hubbard has had problems in the past with great grapplers. And Roscoff fits that bill to a T. So I'm going to lean Roscoff, but at the betting window, I think you got to stay away from it, man. I mean, I think it's a dog or pass situation where the current line is right now, but I can understand Roscoff being a slight favorite, but maybe not at minus 185. So my pick is Roscoff, but if you're going to bet this fight, be careful because I think Hubbard can make it interesting as the fight progresses. Yeah, Hubbard, his biggest advantage going into this fight is that he's experienced against some decent fighters. Um, and the fact that he couldn't get finished by some pretty good ground fighters uh, in the UFC. I mean, Ramos is a very talented Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, grappler, and Madsen is an elite wrestler, and neither of them could pick up a finish, even though uh, they were both able to, to get the fight to the floor. So uh, I think perhaps most interesting is um, that Roscoff, as talented as he is, as Nick said, untested. So, you know, this guy has a, a 
some power in his right hand. He's got strong wrestling. He comes from a decent, uh, wrestling background being an N state, NC state wrestler that transitioned to uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, all of his uh, stoppage wins have been by submission. So Roscoff is dangerous and aggressive. Um, my main concern is that he might run out of steam here, that he, uh, you know, getting really hyped up entering a UFC debut. And if he doesn't get a finish, if this does go the full distance, that Hubbard is going to have more left in the tank uh, by the end of the fight. I mean, Roscoff took this fight on about five or six days notice for his US, making his USC debut. And he's not like a featherweight jumping up a weight class where this is an easy cut. He's a lightweight and this is at 155 pounds. So I'm a little concerned, but uh, I just think that Roscoff has more potential. But if he does start to slow down, this could definitely be a potential live betting scenario where you'd be uh, looking to pick up Hubbard at big plus money between rounds. Um, so that's my main thing, but I still think that Rose Cup has, uh, the better finishing ability, the better talent, uh, in terms of well-roundedness. It's just conditioning and pace are my biggest concerns. If he starts to slow down, I could see Hubbard taking over, but I definitely feel like Rose Cup is going to win the first round. And if he doesn't fade, then he has a, he could win a decision too. So I'm picking Rose Cup, but definitely want you to exercise caution in this one. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Roxanne Mataferi, who is 24 and 16, taking on Lauren Murphy, who is 12 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Mataferi open minus 165, the comeback on Murphy at plus 125. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is Montefiore down to minus 120, the comeback on Murphy, even money. So a little bit more action coming in Murphy's way, but there's been back and forth action as well. I mean, Montefiore lines climb, now it's dropping as we get closer to fight time again. I mean, I personally like Murphy in this matchup, honestly. I, I think it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a competitive fight. I mean, these are two very high-level you know, women fighters here that's no doubt it's going to be competitive. And if it hits the scorecards, we could see a split decision type of fight. But I think the early action on Murphy at plus money is probably the way to go. She's a, a little bit more active. She's more accurate on the feet, better strike defense overall. She's got decent takedown defense. Um, and she's got, you know, she's shown throughout her career that she's got solid takedown defense in most cases. And she's a grinder, man. I mean, she pushes a high pace. She's tough as nails. Um, and again, I see the improvements on the other end with Matafari though as well. I mean, she's getting nothing but better fight by fight. We see the improvements. She's a workhorse in the gym. I mean, she puts the time in. She's really toned her striking to be actually really a lot more effective than it's been ever in her career. So she's getting better in that aspect. She's going to have a little bit of reach over Murphy. Um, and then pure jujitsu, she definitely has the edge here. But I just don't think Matafari is going to be able to utilize some of her takedowns. Um, against Murphy in this spot. I think Murphy's going to be able to keep it upright. She's going to make this kind of a, a gritty, tough fight, and I think she's going to be able to grind on Murphy a little bit um, and outstrike Murphy and land the harder shots along the way as well. So I do see Murphy having the edge in this spot, um, and I personally already gobbled up the plus money where I could, and to be honest with you. I mean, I think anything at plus money um, holds a little bit of value in Murphy. You can argue that she is a slight favorite in this fight. She could be. So again, I expect it to be competitive and I have nothing but respect for Matafari. So I'm, you know, if it hits the scorecards, which it probably does, I think we will see a very close 29, 28, maybe even a split decision, but at plus money, I think the value is a, a lot more towards Murphy. So my pick is Murphy. I think she ends up grinding Matafari out and uh, getting the W here. 
Yeah, in terms of pure talent, Modafferi is the better fighter, but uh, I feel like she has trouble when she gets bullied. And I mean, Lauren Murphy, that's, that's how she fights. I mean, she's gritty and tough and aggressive. And even though I think Modafferi has made improvements in her striking and is the better striker and Modafferi is the better submission fighter, you know, people don't finish Lauren Murphy. So Modafferi's going to have to win a decision to win this fight. And I don't know if she can. Um, Murphy is going to be pushing forward. She's going to be backing Modafferi up towards the fence. She's going to be pushing Modafferi into the fence and having inside position along the cage, which always looks better for the judges. Um, Murphy might get takedowns as well. You know, she's not a great wrestler, but if she gets top position, uh, she can drop some bombs and, you know, Modafferi is prone to, uh, definitely taking some damage, uh, from her back. Although she also can be dangerous from her back. But again, Murphy's really not the type of fighter that gets put in really bad submission spots either. So, um, the main thing that's Modafferi really needs to do to win this fight is control distance on the feet. Um, utilize some of those improvements in her technical striking. And I just don't know if she's taken that leap to the point where she can do that um, because I don't see Modafferi taking Murphy down and utilizing her submission skills from top position very easily because Murphy is uh, you know, has a pretty strong base. So like Nick said, uh, I think Murphy can play the bully here. I think that she puts pressure on Montefiore. I think that she backs her up a lot. And I think that that is going to do enough to, to win the fight on the judges' scorecards, despite Montefiore being uh, better technically. Now, um, we're not going to preview this next fight. Uh, Frank Camacho is taking on Justin James, who is stepping in on very short notice for uh, Matt Frevola, who uh, had to step out of the fight because a cornerman had tested positive for COVID. So um, basically Nick and I both are expecting Camacho to win. He's about a four to one favorite. Um, he's just way more experienced. Although Justin James is pretty decent trains out of extreme couture um, has won nine of his last 10 fights. So he could win, but uh, just typically what happens is when in these situations that a fighter taking a fight on, 24 hours notice or whatever, right before an event, they usually lose. So we're just going to go with history here and we're going to side with Camacho and move on. Now, uh, the next fight up though is another women's flyweight fight. We have Courtney Casey, who is nine and seven, taking on Jillian Robertson, who is seven and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Casey opened minus 125, Robertson minus 105. And right now at Circus Sports, we are currently seeing the line at Robertson minus 115, the comeback on Casey at minus 105. So again, line margins have tightened up. Line flipped to Robertson becoming a favorite. She was a higher favorite at a certain point, And now we're seeing some money come back in on Casey as well. That said, I mean, this is going to be a tough fight, man. I mean, I understand the narrative here. It's it's Robertson's ground game versus Casey's stand-up game. And, her, and Casey does at times you know, kind of fall into that trap where she gets put on her back and she gets controlled a little bit. And, and Robertson's such a good grinder grappler. I mean, her top game is phenomenal really. Um, and offensively with her BJJ, it's, it's spot on at times. So defensively though, there is some concerns about Robertson. There's no doubt even on the ground, but and Casey has shown some slick BJJ as of late. I mean, so make no mistake, Casey does have a good jujitsu game. I'm not saying that it's going to be a walk in the park for Robertson, but I do think 
that her advantage lies in the wrestling and the takedowns. And then, like I said, looking for that submission. And she could be dominant on the ground when she does get it there. On the feet, though, if, if Robertson is not able to get this to the floor, Casey can school her on the feet. She's going to have a four-inch reach advantage. She's a couple inches taller. She has much better striking, much better boxing. Um, and as this fight goes on, I mean, it's definitely Casey's fight to win, especially as, you know, like I said, she keeps it upright and just starts picking Robertson apart. I mean, this is not going to be a good, fun fight for Robertson if she's not able to get this fight to the floor. So it makes it interesting, man. And again, Casey has hit submissions off her back. We just seen that recently as well. So you can't sleep on Casey's ground game, but I think Casey needs to keep this fight upright if she's going to win this fight. And Robertson obviously needs to get it to the floor. So I'm going to go with the grappling based fighter here and Robertson. Uh, I think she has a slight, slight edge, but this is not a confident pick for me. I mean, I've been kind of going back and forth on this, and I, I think a pick near pick is about right with a slight edge towards Robertson. So um, I'm going to agree with the current odds. I think it's okay where it's at right now, and I'm going to pick Robertson to win. But again, not a confident pick because I think this could get interesting as it progresses. Yeah, my main thing here is Casey looked good in her last fight, pulling off a pretty impressive submission off of her back against a fighter that doesn't have a very good ground game. But this time around, um, she's facing a very strong grappler. I mean, Jillian Robertson has looked great on the ground so far in her UFC career. Um, I mean, when she takes people down, she either finishes them by submission or finishes them by TKO. Uh, she looks deadly on the canvas. Um, I mean, she did it against Whitmire McCann, who has turned out to be a pretty good women's flyweight, uh, Macedo, Froda. Uh, she's looked great. I mean, the only people that have, uh, beat her on have been, uh, pretty strong ground fighters already, like, uh, Calvillo, Honchak, uh, Macy Barber in her last fight. So yes, uh, she can be submitted. That's my main concern because, um, Courtney Casey does have a pretty good arm bar and, uh, Myra Bueno Silva did, uh, defeat Robertson by armbar, so she caught her in that. So, but, um, if Robertson takes this fight to the floor, she should definitely have the edge. I mean, she's probably going to get top position because Casey does not have great takedown defense, so I think Robertson's going to get takedowns. Um, and Casey's way too comfortable off of her back because she has a lot of confidence in her armbars, so she's going to be giving up top position pretty easily and letting uh, Robertson stay there instead of working back to her feet. So uh, I think in this fight, Casey's biggest advantage, other than potentially pulling off that armbar, is on the feet. She's the better striker. Robertson's not particularly talented on the feet. But, I mean, it's I just don't think it's going to stay there very long because Casey, again, does not have great takedown defense, and Robertson's a decent wrestler, um, good enough to put Casey on her back. So uh, really how this fight boils down is, Will Courtney Casey uh, submit Robertson off of her back? And I just think that that's not super likely. It could happen, but uh, I'm just going to side with Robertson here. I think that it's going to be tough for her to get a finish because Casey hasn't been finished on the ground in a long time, in years. Uh, and I don't think at all in her UFC career. So I'm going to side with Robertson. I think that she gets top position and uh, – takes some dominant positions. I don't know if she gets a finish, but I think that she does enough to get the win probably by decision. So Robertson's my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Mark andre Berrialt, who is 11-4, taking on Oscar Piahoda, who is 11-3-1. Now, Nick, 
where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? This fight opened exactly a pick. Pejota minus 115, Burial minus 115. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Burial minus 115, the comeback on Pejota at minus 105. Market price on the Donbass screen, there are some flip lines, minus 115 the other way. There's some pick em lines as well. So this fight's going to be about a pick em, and I think that's a fair line overall. But, I, I mean, there's some definitely glaring holes in Pejota's game overall. I think Burial is a lot more proven it as far as durability goes i mean the guy's never been finished in his career i mean he's faced some very solid competition throughout never been submitted never been knocked out um he has been out you know outgunned a little bit out decisioned or what, what you want to say um and pahota though on the other hand i mean there's a lot to like about him offensively i mean he doesn't have a horrible striking game and, and then obviously on the ground it's where it's at with this guy i mean he definitely has some good subs and uh, good bjj overall he's more accurate on the feet looks for takedowns more um, so again, he's going to come in here looking to take Burial down and, and try to, you know, outperform him on the ground here. But I think Burial, even though he hasn't been taken down in the past, um, his takedown defense is decent. Um, and I think as this fight progresses, I think his conditioning is going to be a little bit better. And I think his striking is better on the feet as well. So I think he's going to find his spot. He's, he does have some decent knockout power. He has a, a pretty decent finishing rate overall. And I think with Pejota kind of showing a suspect chin, I think as this fight progresses, even if it's not starting out that good for Burial, I think he will find that spot and possibly hurt Pejota enough to steal cards or at least put him out, obviously, either way. So I think it's a 29-28 type of decision win for Burial if it hits the scorecards um, or a possible finish by knockout for Burial. So I do like that side, honestly. I think Burial is just the better fighter of the two here in this spot. So Pejota is going to be dangerous, especially early on, but I think Burial can weather that storm and he can win this fight. So my pick is Burial and I think, you know, at pick and price, there's a little bit of value there. Obviously, if you're getting him at a dog price, there is some value there as well. Just be cautious because this might get interesting at the beginning, but I, I do think, like I said, the side is probably Burial and I think he gets it done. Yeah, I mean, neither of these guys have really impressed lately. Um, Piahota actually looked like he was going to be decent in the middleweight division, and then he's lost three in a row and been stopped in all three fights. Uh, Berrialda's also lost three in a row, but, um, has not been stopped. I mean, they've all been decisioned, as Nick mentioned. So, that's the big concern here is, I think Piahota has more talent than Berrial, but, you know, will he be able to, uh, exercise it? I think on the feet, um, it's pretty close, although Burial might be a little bit more talented there, but uh, I don't think Burial is particularly great on the ground, and Piahoda is pretty talented on the ground, and I think Burial can uh, be taken down. So I favor Piahoda overall because I think he is the more talented fighter, but my main issue is Piahoda doesn't have a great conditioning. He slows down, so he could get finished, and... Um, Piahota is a little, you know, chinny at this point. I mean, he's been, uh, knocked out a couple times now. So, and been finished three in a row. So that's the big concern. So can Burial clock him and finish him? Can, uh, Burial just outlast him if Piahota starts to slow down and then hurt him late and, uh, maybe even steal a decision or get a late finish? All of that could happen, but, um, I still think overall, though, that uh, if Piahota can get takedowns, um, he's going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, uh, Burial is not a particularly good with a takedown defense, and um, I think, uh, you know, he's been taken down, I think, six times in his last three fights, and none of them have been against particularly good wrestlers. 
And uh, I think Piahoda is the best ground fighter that he's fought recent uh, during this run. So I think uh, that this is a, a pretty good uh, opportunity here for Piahoda to bounce back. Uh, again, I'm concerned he gets caught or he gasses, but if that doesn't happen, I think Piahoda wins. So I'm going to side with the more talented overall fighter, and I think that's Piahoda. Now, dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have Tisha Torres, who is 10 and 10-5, taking on Brianna Van Buren, who is 9-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Van Buren opened minus 162. The comeback on tour is at plus 142. And right now, what we're seeing at Circa Sports is Van Buren minus 225. The comeback on tour is at plus 185. So needless to say, everybody on Van Buren's wagon, man, everybody bouncing off the Torres wagon, which, I don't, you know what, I can understand it. I mean, it's definitely a fight that Van Buren can be showcased and, and looking to pick up a quality win over her toughest opponent, by the way. I mean, Tisha Torres is definitely, the, I think, the best fighter Van Buren's ever faced in her career. So this is going to be the hardest fight for her. But there's a lot to like about her. She's got decent striking. She's got really solid wrestling to go along with it. Um, you know, and again, she's kind of on the rise. She's the next prospect or whatnot. And Tisha Torres, unfortunately for her, I mean, she suffered some very tough defeats. But if you look at it, I mean, she's been through just some killers at Rodriguez, Zhang, JJ, Andrade. I mean, she's been through champion level fighters, if not champs themselves as well. So all the losses that Torres has suffered recently have been to the highest level of competition possible. Whereas Van Buren, again, she's kind of climbing up that ladder. She's not kind of facing that quality of competition. And I think there's a lot to like about Torres. She's fast. I think she can hang with Van Buren on the feet, um, especially if she could keep this fight upright. Uh, And her takedown defense, I know she's been taken down at times in fights, and that's kind of cost her. But I think overall in this spot, I mean, she matches up fairly well with Van Buren. So I think it's going to be a harder fight than most are anticipating here. And I certainly would not lay minus 200 or more on Van Buren in this spot. I think it's a dog or pass situation where it's currently at. But that said, it's hard not to pick in favor of Van Buren. Again, I mean, she's on the rise. Like I said, she can mix things up a little bit more. Um, and I think she can possibly edge out a decision. Um, this fight will probably hit the scorecards. It's a high-level women's fight. And I think both these ladies are extremely talented and durable as well. So I don't expect this fight to end inside the distance. So it'll probably be a close split decision type of fight, honestly, if it's the scorecards. Another 29-28 um, or a split decision type of fight. So if you're betting this fight, I mean, I know everybody, again, is kind of going crazy with Van Buren. They think it's kind of a great matchup for her against Torres, but I'm, I'm not so sure it is. I think Torres, again, the, the, she's been in there with the best of the best, and I think she needs a win desperately here. So if she shows up, this fight's going to be interesting. I mean, it's hard not to pick Van Buren. Again, if this was just a coin flip, a toss-up fight, of course, you got to lean with Van Buren a little bit. But the current price at minus 225, man, it's kind of crazy. It's getting insane a little bit. So, um, I, you know, I wouldn't lay it. So my pick is going to be Van Buren, but I think this fight's going to be way closer than everybody anticipates. And I completely agree. Uh, I know Tisha Torres is on a four-fight losing streak, but look at the people she's faced during that lo- the streak. Um, three champions, the the three most recent champions, and uh, and one of the top up-and-coming uh, stars in the the women's strawweight division in Rodriguez. So uh, Torres has just faced the who's who, uh, just an absolute brutal stretch of elite opponents. So I don't think it's she's nearly as bad as she's been given credit for. I mean, she has a win over Rose Namajunas, and her other loss to Rose was crazy close. So um, 
I still think that she's talented. She's just not good enough to beat, you know, the champion level fighters. So she's, she's basically a gatekeeper for who can be the top fighters in the division. And, you know, is Brianna Van Buren good enough to be one of the top fighters in the division? You know, that's serious thing to, to question. Um, so far, she looked good. I mean, UFC debut went great. Livia Souza is a talented fighter, and she clearly won that fight. I mean, she pushed forward. She was aggressive. Uh, the main thing that Van Buren has going for her is when she she's, she when she pushes forward and she cuts off the cage, uh, when her opponents don't really have a big escape avenue, she just starts unloading with combinations, big, heavy punching combinations mixed in with knees and kicks. Um, like, that's... Absolutely her bread and butter. Because in open space, I think her size works against her. I mean, five foot tall, not much uh, reach. Uh, so I think Tisha Torres can outstrike her in open space. If So if Van Buren wants to win this fight, and she can do this, uh, she just needs to keep pressuring Torres and force her to fight off her back foot. Eventually, you know, cut her off against the cage and go to work with those combinations. Um, that's absolutely her best path. But I think that when she's moving forward like that, she's also very prone to potentially getting hit. So somebody that's a pretty good striker like Torres could take advantage of that. So if Torres can stay on her bicycle and, you know, pot shot, um, pot shot Van Buren, she could totally win this fight. I think that this line is ludicrous. I think there's, there's been a lot of negative uh, towards Torres because of her losing streak. But again, you just, you have to look at who she's been losing to. So, uh, I mean, she has only almost exclusively only lost to the best fighters in the world. So I think five of her six career losses, including on the ultimate fighter have been to UFC champions at 115. So you can't hold that against her. Um, so Van Buren, I think, you know, I'm going to pick her because I do think that she is a very talented prospect on the rise and, and looked so good in that Sousa fight. But this is a tough test for her. And I, I don't think, I think the line should be a lot closer than it currently is. I'm going to pick her, but I could totally see Tisha Torres pulling this off if Van Buren can't cut her off against the cage. If this, you know, gets stuck in open space, this gets interesting in a hurry. Now... Moving up to the lightweight division, we have Clay Guida, who is 35 and 19, taking on Bobby Green, who is 24, 10 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Green opened minus 275, the comeback on Guida plus 235. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 250 for Green, the comeback on Guida at plus 210. So, line's been bouncing back and forth a little bit, up and down. Um, we saw the line drop towards Guida's favor. Now we're seeing the line kind of climb back up for Bobby Green a little bit as well. So there's two-way action coming into this fight. Respectable opinions, I think, on both sides of this. I mean, you know, you got to look at it right away, I think, and, and point out that Guida, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. He's actually performed at a high level considering how many fights he's had in the UFC and how long his UFC career has been. I mean, Green is not a rookie by any means, but... I mean, historically, Guida's been in there for so long and fought some of the best fighters there is to fight. And he's just your grinder, man. I mean, the guy works hard. He's got decent conditioning. His stand-up's always getting better. And, of course, he's, I mean, the wrestling's edge edge is where it's at with him always. He hits over three takedowns per fight, per 15 minutes at least. Um, 
And he's a grinder, man. So that's what you get from Guida. He's going to come forward. He's going to try to his best on the feet to you know close that gap and try to make life miserable and kind of grind Green out. But Green's going to have a reach advantage here in this spot. He's much busier. He's more accurate with his striking. And I think he does have a significant stand-up edge overall. I mean, his takedown defense is actually pretty solid at around 74%. Uh, he's five years younger, so I, I think – I know he's been in there in some tough fights or whatnot, but I just think he's still a little bit fresher maybe um, than Guida at this point of his career, and I think he does have enough of a stand-up edge and a decent takedown defense in most cases that he could probably hurt Guida on the feet along the way. So I think he's going to be too slick for him. I mean he's going to be faster. I think his angles he's going to be able to utilize against Guida. Um, even in the clinch, I think he's going to have a little bit of an advantage over Guida as well. But again, Guida is going to look to close that gap and just kind of make this an ugly, dirty fight. And if it hits the scorecards, it will get interesting. I mean, I think Guida could maybe steal it on the cards. That's why you got to be careful at the betting window in this spot. So I think it, I think green can win on the cards. Don't get me wrong, but I think if it does go that long, then Guida is going to definitely make it competitive. So that's a tricky spot here, but I still think that green, his striking edge is going to be significant here. And I think he probably picks Guida apart, maybe even finishes him along the way. So I like green in the spot again at minus two fifty. I'm not saying go out there and bet him though. I think you got to kind of, avoided it at the time and price where it is now you got to kind of stay away from this fight um i know a lot of people are they're kind of looking to bet both guys green is going to be a popular parlay guy overall i think and then guida is probably going to get some straight love or by decision as well I, i'm sure people will bet that prop but um overall i think it's just kind of a tough spot where the line is right now and it's almost properly lined at this point as well because i think that green should be a solid little favorite over guida and i think he probably gets it done so my pick is green to win um what should be an interesting fight again two savvy vets that are going to get in here and, and give it their all so uh, but i think at the end it'll be green getting his hand raised yeah my main issue here is that uh guida is uh, just getting finished a bit too much lately. I mean, his last four losses were all, uh, you know, actually going back, let's see. The last time he lost a decision was Gray Maynard, uh, that main event, uh, split decision. So, I mean, it's been a hot minute. I mean, he got knocked out by Chad Mendez. He got choked out by Dennis Bermudez. He got choked out by Tiago Tafares, knocked out by Brian Ortega, choked out by Charles Oliveira. And choked out by Jim Miller. And he also got armbarred by Gregor Gracie in a grappling bout. So, you know, I'm concerned that he's just getting finished way too much. He hasn't been knocked out a ton during that stretch, but Bobby Green has some pop. Um, and if he can really get going with this striking, I, I can definitely see Bobby Green knocking him out. I'm not really concerned about Bobby Green choking him out. So, uh, grappling might be the best strategy of all for, for Guida. If he can just turn into the old school grinding clay Guida that was really aggressive, uh, looking, you know, the energizer bunny Guida that just was relentless and wore down opponents. But we really haven't seen that as much lately. He's been focusing a lot more on his stand-up, which has improved. I mean, he was actually out striking Ortega before he got knocked out. And um, he's, you know, knocked out uh, Joe Lozon on the feet. Um, he actually, you know, outstruck uh, after a slow first round, you know, outworked BJ Penn as well. Granted, you know, that's not the same BJ Penn of the days of yore. But um, so... I I think Guida has made improvements, but they haven't done enough. And I think he would be better served to, to kind of go back to that old style. But Bobby Green's very well-rounded. He's a competent striker. He utilizes distance well. And 
Um, I think that he'll win a stand-up fight if that's what this ends up being. And um, I'm a little concerned. You know, Guida is getting up there in years. Um, you know, 38 years old. He's been in the game forever. And uh, it's very possible that, you know, he could just not be able to take that, that same level of punishment that he used to be able to do. So uh, I'm going to side with Green. I think this will be close if uh, Green doesn't knock him out. And, uh, you know, Guida has shown some improvement in his hands and green has been knocked out too. So maybe Guida catches him along the way as well. But, uh, I think, you know, I have to side with the more competent, experienced, uh, technical striker with, uh, the better track record of standup. So I'm going to side with Bobby green here. Now, moving on to the main card and sticking with the lightweight division, we have Roosevelt Roberts, who is 10 and one taking on Jim Miller, who is 31 and 14. Now, Nick, What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Roberts open minus 175, the comeback on Miller plus 150. And right now over at Circa Sports, we are seeing Roberts at minus 250, the comeback on Miller at plus 210. Another one of these spots where you have a rising prospect in Roberts taking on a savvy vet Miller. I mean, like we were saying about Green and Guida, I mean, even though Green wasn't really a rising prospect, he's been in the game for a while. Roberts is that, though. I mean, he's definitely 10 years younger. Um, he's going to have a five or six inch reach advantage. Well, a taller, I should say. He's going to be five or six inches taller, two inch reach advantage overall. He's more accurate on the feet. He's more active. Um, and he's got decent takedown defense overall on paper. But you know what? I mean, Miller's one of these guys that he's kind of a throwback fighter. He shows up at times and he has a vintage performance. I mean, this is, this was one of the best lightweights in the world at one point. Don't forget that. I mean, Miller's a total package. I mean, his stand up is always underrated a little bit, but he's got enough power on the feet to make things interesting and interesting. And he's got clean technique to go along with it. He's a southpaw. Um, he's got overall better strike defense, I think. Um, his wrestling and BJJ though is where it's at. And he's going to have an edge in that area to a, a certain extent. I mean, Miller, again, he's not in the prime of his career, so he's been getting caught. He's more susceptible than he used to be for sure. His defense is a little bit lacking. And again, Roberts is going to be the more explosive, the faster fighter. I think Roberts has proven that his BJJ is definitely on par. He's going to have the striking edge overall here. So it's Roberts' fight to win or lose. I mean, make no mistake about it. But I just think, again, you got to be cautious because Miller can kind of have a vintage performance here and make kind of – he could be a prospect killer at times. We've seen it in the past with Miller, and, and Roberts is in that spot right now. So this fight is kind of catered for Roberts to win and get a respectable win on his resume, and I think he does do it. But, I mean, it's another case where I'm not ultra confident, especially at the line. I don't think you could lay minus 250 on Roberts in this spot, so be cautious out there. I mean, like I said, if we see uh, Miller showing up here, I mean, he has a slick sub game. Um, he does have a little bit of underrated power in times on the feet and he still has that old man strength kind of as well. So you got to be cautious. And we've seen some ups and downs with Roberts in his career thus far as well, but I still think this is a fight for him to win and he could get it done. So he probably finishes Miller along the way. Uh, if he hits the scorecards, it might be another interesting fight though. I mean, it might be close. It might not, might be another 29, 28 competitive type of decision here, but it's hard not to pick Roberts in this spot. I just wouldn't bet it personally. So my pick is Roberts to beat Miller and get a solid, solid win for him. Yeah, in terms of momentum and where they are at their careers right now, um, you gotta side with Roberts. Um, he, he looked great in his last fight. Um, he has some big physical advantages over Miller. He has a very long reach. He uses it pretty well. He's got pop in his hands. Uh, I think he could knock Miller out. He could win a decision on the feet. Um, my main issue is if Miller turns up the aggression with his wrestling and looks to, to put Roberts on his back. I mean, Roberts does have a sneaky guillotine choke with his long limbs, but 
you know, Miller's a seasoned BJJ black belt. And uh, looking at Robert's lone loss against Vince Pichel, um, he did get bullied in that fight. And while Miller isn't like a power wrestler, um, I could see Miller, uh, you know, kicking it up a notch and going for uh, the ground game because that's kind of where he's had his most success lately was has been uh, getting fights to the floor and working for submissions. So I don't know if Miller can submit Roberts, but I could see him getting top position and taking some dominant positions uh, because I do view him as the better grappler here. But I think Roberts is the more powerful striker. I think that he can take a shot better. I think uh, Roberts obviously has the physical advantages where he has the long limbs, a good reach, uses it pretty well, has a good jab. So I think that he could really pick apart Miller. Even though Miller is a pretty competent boxer as well, he's just giving up a lot of size here. I think it'll be very frustrating for him. So while I do see a path to victory for Miller, I'm going to side with Roberts as well. I just think, you know, youth prevails here. He's going to be quick, explosive, powerful. And I think that he could pick Jim Miller apart on the feet. So Roberts is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Lyman Good, who is 21 and 5, taking on Bilal Muhammad, who is 16 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Muhammad opened minus 130, the comeback on Good minus 110. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Muhammad minus 127, the comeback on Good at plus 107. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, obviously. And there is two action coming in this fight. Muhammad got bet up. Good got some action back. And so we're seeing two way action and respectable opinions on both sides of this fight, which is not a surprise overall. I mean, this is an interesting fight, man. I mean, there's no doubt about the narrative here. I think Good has the better stand up game overall. Not that Muhammad's out of a fish out of water. I mean, he showed some very good stand up, good leg kicks, good punching. Um, I mean, he's able to get it done on the feet more times than not. Offensively, he's not bad at all. So Good has to respect him a little bit here, but. I mean, Good is going to be a little bit busier on the feet. He's more accurate. He's going to have a little bit of a reach advantage. He's got better strike defense overall. I think he's a little bit more durable. So what it is with him is is keeping off his back and keeping this fight upright. And if he is upright, he's going to win this fight. I think he could do some damage along the way. He can outpoint Muhammad, and he could probably even knock him out. I mean, you know, again, Muhammad has had a suspect chin at times. He's a pretty solid fighter. I'm not, you know, knocking him at all. And that chin hasn't really been that much of an issue as of late. And, you know, throughout his career, he's the type of guy that does get rocked and is able to recover. And he's tough as nails, man. So, again, not knocking him. But at the same time, I think that's where Good has the advantage over Muhammad here. Muhammad's edge is definitely on the feet. He needs to look for those takedowns. I mean, Good in the past has been beat by elite-level wrestlers, stud wrestlers, um, grapplers. I mean, Maya subbed him. But, again, that's not you know, elite level wrestler, but in the past, people that have been able to get good down and control him have been able to beat him. So that's the path to victory for Muhammad here. And if he wins that fight, it's because he's going to be able to hit those takedowns. But outside of that, I don't know if he can win this fight, honestly. And I think good's takedown defense is probably underrated in this spot. So I'm going to pick good to win. I think he could probably stuff the takedowns. I think he's improving um, all this time and all the, you know, tough spots he's been in throughout his career and, and having to face that elite level wrestling that he has, I think he's gotten a little bit better. And then again, he's got that stand up edge on the feet. So hard not to like good here. I just have to, you know, hope that he's capable of keeping this fight upright and stuffing Muhammad's uh, ground game and keeping this where he wants it to be. So my pick is good. I think he could possibly end this fight by knockout. If it hits the scorecards, I think he could steal a decision on the cards as well. As long as he keeps off his back, he's going to win this fight. So my pick is Lyman good to get the win over Muhammad. And I agree. I'm going to side with Good as well. Um, on the feet, he does have the edge. He's 
I mean, I think in terms of durability, it's a huge difference. I mean, we really haven't seen good hurt at all on the feet. And we've seen Muhammad hurt consistently, although, as Nick said, you know, not recently. And uh, and Muhammad has faced some pretty powerful guys that have not been able to hurt him lately, you know, like a Tim Means. And so, but, you know, going back, he has had some historically rough issues against uh, power punchers. So, and, and Good is a power puncher and he's precise. I mean, you saw that in the Rencounter fight where, you know, Good just, I mean, I think honestly that was the best Lyman Good has looked in his UFC run so far. I mean, he was on point in that fight, just cleaning Rencounter's clock. And, uh, this time around, you know, he's facing somebody that I think is less durable than Rencounter. I mean, Rencounter could take it and Good just kept dishing it out until he finally finished him. Um, I think it'll take a lot less to finish Muhammad if Good is able to connect. Um, and as Nick said, I mean, it's going to come down to takedowns and takedown defense um, because Muhammad does mix in takedowns well with his offense. He is a competent striker, but I think that it's mainly going to be used to set up the takedowns. If uh, Good overcommits to strikes or if Muhammad just gets a good entry, he could put him on his back. And, uh, you know, Good was beat on the ground uh, by Ben Askren way back in the Bellator days, Maya most recently. Um, so it's very possible that Muhammad could grind this out and win a decision. But I also think it's very possible that Good knocks him out uh, or Good earns a, a decision by outpointing uh, Muhammad on the feet. So I think this is competitive, but I have to side with the guy that I think is has the, the better chance of getting the finish. Um, when I think that it's pretty even. So I'm going to side with Lyman Good. Now, dropping down to the women's Bantamweight division, we have Raquel Pennington, who is 10-8, taking on Marion Renault, who is 9-5-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Pennington opened minus 175, the comeback on Renault at plus 135. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Pennington minus 170, the comeback on Renault at plus 150. So again, solid opening line market price, staying about steady. There's two-way action. It did dip down a little bit. Now we're seeing some action back on a Pennington overall. You know, again, another spot where I think this is going to be a very high-level women's bout, so it probably hits the scorecards. I think Pennington does have the edge on the feet. She has to be cautious with Renault on the ground. I mean, Renault, I think, can mix it up and, and has decent striking overall, but she doesn't want to play that game as much with Pennington here because especially as the fight progresses, I think we're going to see a clearer edge for Pennington. I think she's going to be able to land the harder shots along the way, and she's just simply the better striker overall. She does have a decent ground game, Pennington does. Um, even has decent wrestling. That's improved quite a bit as well. I mean, both these ladies have faced high-level competition throughout their career. So I expect it, again, to be very competitive, but I think it's going to be Pennington's fight to win or lose. I mean, she could get caught up in Renault's um, guard, which is tricky off her back at times. If she gets top position, I mean, I, she has to be cautious. Or if Renault, you know, gets her to the ground at all, she has to be very cautious because that's, I think, her best path to victory in this spot is Renault looking for that submission and, and trying to end it against Pennington. But Pennington has improved significantly in that department, so I think she should be okay. But, again, high-level ladies fight, a competitive fight, laying almost – Minus 200 or so, the price is around minus 170, what I'm saying. If it hits the scorecards, we could see a, a competitive decision. We know how bad the judging is typically in most cases, so I wouldn't recommend coming in on Pennington in this spot either, to be honest with you. So I'm going to pick her to win, but I think the line is probably about right where it's at, and there's not a lot of value left. So the pick for me is Pennington, what should be a pretty entertaining fight, but hard to pick Renault in this spot. I think Pennington gets it done. 
Yeah, I think these ladies are pretty evenly matched, but uh, Pennington has been in there against a better competition, and I think she's fared better against better competition. I think Pennington has the better wrestling, so if it goes to the floor, I think she can take top position, although Renault is pretty competent off of her back. Could put her in a triangle choke or something. That's probably my biggest scare. And on the feet, Renault does push a pretty good pace, but um, I think Pennington's a little bit tougher physically. I think Renault can get hurt potentially on the feet. And you got to remember that Renault's 42 years old now. So, you know, at some point that's got to catch up to her. She hasn't looked it at all her age or fought like it. But, um, you know, at some point it, it has to catch up to you. Uh, father time is undefeated, as they always say. So uh, I think while these fighters are comparable and in terms of skill, it's pretty close. Uh, I have to side with uh, the, the fighter that I think has been in there against better competition, has performed better against better competition, and uh, is the, the, the younger fighter. So I'm going to side with Raquel Pennington. Now... Moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division, we have Josh Emmett, who is 15-2, taking on Shane Burgos, who is 13-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Burgos opened minus 155, the comeback on Emmett, plus 115. And right now we're looking over at Circus Sports. It's minus 150, Burgos, plus 130 for Emmett. Line margins have tightened up a little bit, obviously, and there is, again, Actually, more action coming in Burgess's way. Early on, the market was getting bet Emmett, and now we're seeing Burgess kind of getting bet back up a little bit as well. Uh, this is a great fight. I mean, you have two amazing fighters, you know, in this weight class at 145 pounds that are kind of looking to put themselves in title contention here. So this is a win over their opponent here, but just vaults them to the top, towards the top of the weight class for sure. Emmett obviously has a wrestling edge overall. Um, he's got powerful striking. I mean, I think he's got better overall strike defense um, and a bigger one-punch knockout artist. And that's something to say because Burgos has a ton of power in his own right. So, it, I mean, it's pretty close uh, as far as pure power goes. Um, Burgos's advantage is obviously if he's five inches taller, he's going to have a five-inch reach advantage, which is huge. He's more active on the feet. Um you know, and he, he basically lands at a higher rate overall and he's more accurate. So, and his 90% takedown defense says a lot as well. So he's not an easy guy to take down. Um, he's got a decent submission game. So these guys are well matched. I mean, Burgos does have those physical advantages though that I, that I mentioned. He's a little bit taller. And again, he, he just outworks most of his opponents, opponents and he is the better striker on the feet here over Emmett. So he's going to have that edge, but Emmett, man, he's going to make this a fight. I mean, he's explosive. He can definitely land on Burgos, which we've seen Burgos in the past past you know get hit get rocked he's he's been finished before as well so even though offensively i mean he has it he's fun to watch defensively it is a bit of a concern so i wouldn't lay again this is another spot i think it's a dog or pass situation i think emmett's going to keep it close enough on the scorecards where he could have a little bit of value but also i think that emmett is capable of maybe landing that big bomb along the way and, and hurting burgos because like i said we've seen that defense kind of lack in a, in a way as well so I'm going to pick Burgos, though, as far as the actual pick, because, again, it's hard to go against those advantages that he has. He's the better striker. He's going to be more active. I understand the narrative here as well. But, I mean, this is a podcast that kind of helps out with the betting aspect of things. And as far as at the betting window goes, you can't lay that chalk in a competitive fight like this. I expect it to be 
Um, and Emmett is definitely game. He's always game and being underrated somewhat in this spot. So I think it's a dog or pass situation personally. Um, I wouldn't lay the chalk on Burgos, but as far as a pure pick, of course I would lean his way. I think he can probably get the W here, but again, not a confident one again, just being honest, because I think these guys are well matched. They're two elite level fighters in this weight class. And I could realistically see it going either way. So my pick is going to be Burgos, though. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, this one's a really interesting matchup. Uh, Burgos, I think, is the more well-rounded, talented fighter. But Emmett and his power is a huge equalizer. And I have to give Dick a shout-out. You know, when Emmett first came to the UFC, I thought that he was kind of more of a a grinder-type fighter because all of his fights were going to decision. But then he drops down to featherweight, and Nick keeps saying he's got power and I'm like I I thought he was full of it and then all of a sudden he just starts knocking out everybody uh his last four fights have three of all three wins have been by knockout and uh the loss he actually almost knocked out Jeremy Stevens before getting knocked out himself so uh Emmett is ferocious on the feet that being said I still think in terms of pure talent um, it's not quite there because you look at some of his wins, uh, the Michael Johnson knockout that he picked up in late in the third round, that was a fight he was losing clearly and then picked up the late knockout to get the win. Uh, and I still think Mirsad Bektik's the more talented fighter, but Bektik is a little chinny and he got caught and, uh, that was, the, that was all she wrote. So, uh, in this one, I think Burgos is the more talented fighter. I think that he is, uh, pushes a little bit better pace. I think he's a little bit more technical on the feet. Um, so I favor Burgos to get the win. But as Nick said, Burgos can get caught. He's been knocked out by Calvin Cater, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Cater's one of the best featherweights that there exists right now. Um, but he did also get uh, clocked by Kurt Hollibaugh. So um, there's a very real possibility that Emmett catches Burgos along the way, even though Burgos could be winning the fight up until that point. So I'm going to pick Burgos to get the win, but it wouldn't shock me if at some point that equalizer in Emmett's power uh, rears its head. But again, I'm going to pick Burgos to get the win. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division, we have Curtis Blades, who is 13 and 13-2, taking on Alexander Volkov, who is 31-7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Blades open minus 235, the comeback on Volkov at plus 200. And right now what we're seeing at Circus Sports, minus 390 for Blades, the comeback on Volkov plus 320. So needless to say, everybody loving Blades. I mean, market-wide, we're seeing minus 400s out there as well. So everybody kind of throw them into parlays. Everybody just, you know, obviously for minus 235, you got to bet Blades. There's no question about it. I mean, that opening line was definitely low. And people pounced on it. And, you know, as it progresses, though, you know, I mean, as it got to minus 300, you got to be a little bit cautious and you have to respect Volkov. He's gotten better, man. I mean, if you look at his career, he's had a very impressive one. I mean, dating back to Bellator. I mean, after, honestly, that Bellator stint that he did have um, when he came to the UFC, I think he's gotten better, man. He's he's put the work in. He's improved his takedown defense. He's definitely going to have a striking edge 
in this spot over Blades. There's no question about that. So if this fight stays on the feet, I mean, we've seen what he's capable of. He's a very smart fighter. Um, he could utilize that reach well, and he could pick people apart. I mean, so the striking edge goes to Volkov here in this spot over Blades for sure. He's a very well-conditioned fighter as well. So there's a lot to like about Volkov, and I actually think people are disrespecting him at this point somewhat. I mean, I understand, again, the narrative here is that Blades gets the takedowns. He is one of the best wrestlers in all of the UFC, in the heavyweight division especially. I mean, the guy's a grinder. I think he went out Twitter already and said, hey, if you're looking for a stand-up war, don't tune in because I'm going to take this guy down and ragdoll him. I mean, he knows his path to victory is the wrestling, and he's going to try to utilize that. Can he get the takedowns? Yes, he can. And I think once he does get the takedowns, he can give Volkov a lot of problems on the ground. Obviously, he's got good ground and pound. He's a very intelligent fighter, and he could probably get the finish on the ground uh, more more than likely. So, I mean, Blades is that dominant when he gets a fight to the floor. He's just a grinder as well. There's a lot to like it. So it's basically a strong elite-level wrestler in the heavyweight division going against a tall, um, you know, well-known, respected striker here in Volkov. So, again, line is a little bit high. Everybody going crazy, I think, overall across the industry, parlaying blades. Um, I get it, but, man, I don't know. I think, that, like I said, there's a little bit too much disrespect to Volkov. And if you're going to bet this fight, don't bet it straight, man. There's no way you can bet it straight. I mean, even, obviously, if there's no value straight, then you shouldn't really even put him in a parlay, right? But, I mean, a fun parlay for TV purposes or watching the fight, whatever. I understand what people are going to parlay him in other sports or whatnot. I get it. But still, at this point, I think the value is gone. I mean, if you got under minus 300, okay, maybe you can kind of justify that a little bit, you know, but now where it's at, it's another tough spot to bet. I don't care if Blades goes out there and ragdolls him like he said he will and take the take, you know, takes the fight to the floor easily and wins this fight early. I mean, line value is line value. And I just don't think it's there right now. So of course I'm going to play pick Blades. I think he can get this fight to the ground. I think, I mean, his path to victory is very clear. So I'm not going to go against that. I mean, he should win this fight. But again, where the current line is now, there's no value at the betting window. So you got to stay away from it. But my pick is Blades. He probably gets it done here. Yeah, I'm going to side with Blades as well. Uh, historically, Volkov has had issues against really good wrestlers um, or just people with decent ground games uh, that, that are strong and physical and that can bully him. I mean, that's how he got that first loss in Bellator. Um, and uh, I think, you know, even Czech Congo was able to kind of bully him in an ugly fight along the fence. And I think Curtis Blades is the best wrestler Volkov has ever faced. Um, on the feet, Volkov has a clear edge. He's tall, he's long, he's rangy, um, he's got some pop in his hands. Um, so Volkov is going to win if it just stays standing. But even Blades himself just posted on Twitter that, you know, if you think this is going to be a stand-up fight, you're out of your mind. You know, I'm going to take this fight to the ground immediately. So, uh, and, and that's what he should do. I mean, Blades is a very competent wrestler, and he's lethal from top position. He can just beat on Volkov and, uh, I think, get a, a TKO from top position. So uh, I think the most likely outcome of this fight is that Blades closes the distance, gets a hold of Volkov, drags him to the floor, and then just starts going to work. Um, I think that that happens over and over until he does eventually get the TKO. I, I don't think this goes the distance. Uh, I think I think Blades is going to take a few risks once he does get top position and, and goes to work. But, uh, you know, realistically, the, the best chance for Volkov is clipping him on the way in. If Blades has really uh, poorly timed takedown attempts, shoots from way far away, if, if Volkov is working distance well, then that'll give him a few extra opportunities to catch Blades. But 
the only person that's ever been able to finish Blades with strikes has been Ngannou. Uh, Mark Hunt hurt him briefly, but Blades ended up uh, winning that fight. So uh, I, I think uh, this is absolutely Curtis Blades' fight to lose, and I think that uh, he does get Volkov down in every round, and at some point he does put him away. So my pick is going to be Curtis Blades. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN 11. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of a free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs>